Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. And we have a very special guest tonight, director of Brightburn, David Yaroveski. David, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Good. Sorry, I was just figuring out how to uh, <laughs> uh, deal with uh, posting the uh, link live. Um, anyways, how's it going? It's great. Hey, I got my Brightburn shirt on. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Talk... Uh, talk some uh check this out i did not know before i watched brightburn that a whole sub genre of superhero horror existed did you know that no what's the <laughs> uh <laughs> no <laughs> um what, what tell me about this subgenre well i you know i was reading about it uh i didn't know it existed till you know I watched Brightburn and I loved the movie and afterwards I, you know, did some more research on it. And apparently there is this little small subgenre, which is what Brightburn falls exactly under, called superhero horror. Uh, so that brings me to my first question. Uh, did they tell you uh, about the script before you read it or did they just hand you the script and uh say check this out um well okay two things first of all i do have a question about that because um you know i you know even if well i'd be curious to know like what prior to brightburn would be classified as superhero horror uh oh you don't know know. yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea that's what i thought you were saying i thought you were saying uh oh yeah no i think that i mean these are all like sort of marketing buzz points. So I, I don't put so much stake into it. Uh, yeah. But, 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 you know, one of the things that, that Sony would tell us during the marketing is like, you know, this is a new genre. No one's ever done, you know, anything quite like this in, in, in films before. And even in comic books, um, they were, um, you know, they, uh, they would often go like dark, you know, you go go dark with superheroes but incredibly rarely would they explore the genre of horror through the superhero lens or explore superheroes through the the lens of uh the horror genre i should say um so so um so yeah i mean you know that was something that was sort of new and i think distinct about the movie that was something that i responded to i mean when i when i heard about this script the, the way I heard about it was I was at a barbecue with the writers. Uh, I was at James Gunn's house. He was having a barbecue. Um, uh, his, his brother and his cousin are, are the writers, Mark and Brian. And they were telling me about the script. And at the time, James and I were looking for a movie to make. We'd been looking for a long time. We, we, we chased some pro we chased all sorts of projects and, and, and nothing was, um, nothing was clicking. Like no one would give us their, their property to, to go make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we knew we had to go find our own and we brainstormed writing our own thing, what we we're going to do. And, um, and, and then they told me about the script and I just kind of knew that was it. And there was a little bit of a journey to get to the place where, um, where they were like, yes, let's go. Um, um, and that's a really not that interesting of a story, but, but, um, the point is we all sort of unified around this, this idea that they had had. Um, and, and strangely enough, um, so they, they'd had this script they wrote and that, that, that they'd written that was really great. And then, and then James had this, 
weird superhero thing that he pitched to me like a, a long time ago. And I always poked at him and I was always like, can we, let's make that together. And he was like, no, that's going to be like a hundred million dollars. You know, he just, he thought of it as this huge thing. And, um, and then this script came through and it was sort of like all of those ideas, all the ideas in that script, all the ideas that sort of James had in his thing and all the ideas I had in my head, um, you know, uh, around the idea yeah. and uh i think we sort of, we all got into a room and went back to the note cards and started throwing note cards on a board and gotcha. and uh and beating out the story you now, know now watching this film it is very obvious this is not a middle to low budget film this is a pretty nice budget film you can correct uh, me oh uh are you talking about brightburn or nightbooks brightburn oh yeah no brightburn is is very cheap <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, the very low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the I think the financiers spent six million dollars on it. I mean, it was like it was very low budget movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that surprised me because. Uh, so when did the uh, Sony is the distributor of Brightburn? Yeah, they acquired us in the middle of filming, and I'm not totally sure they knew what the concept was because we were so secretive about the concept of what it was. So. Uh, no one knew what it was. Um, it, it, you know, at the time it was called like secret James Gunn, Elizabeth Banks horror movie. And, um, and we were so under wraps. I mean, no one knew, you know, my closest, a lot of my closest friends didn't know the plot of what I was shooting because, uh, we, we all kind of dreamed of a day when we could sort of surprise everyone with mm -hmm. this trailer that, you know, the trailer itself is sort of surprising. And I, I didn't want people to have a year to sort of tear apart the idea or brainstorm like what the movie could be. I wanted to just sort of drop it like a grenade. Um, um, and and we did. It was a ton of fun. Um, but, but no, we were like, that's one of the fun things about Brightburn that people don't really understand is that we had, uh, we had very little money. <laughs> I mean very little money and um and and somehow we came out um memorial day weekend in 3000 theaters against you know endgame john wick 3 wow king kong and aladdin uh uh um and we were sort of we did not belong there at all but there we were. <laughs> wow. Now, that totally, that answer really blew me away in regards to the budget. And it's also rare for a big studio like Sony, Sony's a major studio, uh, to get involved when production is underway. How did, how did they get involved? Uh, I mean, you just said you kept it, you kept a, a lot of it a secret. They didn't know what they were getting into. How did, uh, how did they get convinced to buy into this? <laughs> You know, all of these answers are kind of above my pay grade. <laughs> I don't totally know. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, the, the investors flew in and they were like, hey, what do you guys think of Sony? <laughs> and, and from what I understand, I don't know. They, I, I, don't, I, I don't really know. This is like sort of sausage making. I think they were negotiating an overall deal with Sony, an yeah. alpha deal. And, 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 but, but from what I do know is that just the excitement of what we were working on and being such a big secret, no one could find out anything about it, made it enticing the studio. So I know there were a lot of studios that wanted the movie. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, and. Well, the concept was brilliant. Uh, so you read the script, uh, you know, you knew the writers, uh, 
were you there as the script process was being written or you didn't get to see any of it until it was done? Oh yeah, no, I, I think we were all like really involved in, in, you know, me, James and, and the two writers were in a room putting scene, you know, we went back to the cards. Just, I mean, like if you go to YouTube and watch any, like how to write a screenplay, you know, uh, videos, you'll see what we were doing. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, so we were just, you know, sticky pat, sticky notes or cards. We were putting it on a, on a, on a, um, you know, on an easel and, uh, we were grinding it out and trying to, trying to figure it out. Um, you know, th- there was a big difference between where the script was when I got it and, and, and where it was when we started filming. And the big difference was, I think that they, they, they were, I think, trying to make more of an indie drama, and okay. and James and I both wanted to push it in more of a, um, you know, big, big scale. Even though we didn't have the money, <laughs> admittedly, uh, but we wanted to push it in more of like a big scale, like, like horror movie, like a superhero yeah. horror movie. Yeah. Kind of. I think we were both intrigued conceptually about exploring what that is. What what would a superhero horror movie be? And and sort of pushing on that instead of um, leaning into the like the the sort of like lighter indie uh, drama stuff. Gotcha. Um, um, and and frankly, I, I do think that Brian and Mark, uh, if they initially felt like uh, they would have gotten even as much money as we did to make it. They, they probably would have leaned more into that, having more powers and more stuff like that. But I think they were, they wanted to make something whether they had the money or not, you know? Okay, gotcha. So when you guys were doing those cards, uh, as a director of the film, are you in your mind trying to say, okay, with this limited budget, how am I going to make this work? Yeah, I mean... I had just made a movie for half a million dollars. It was the only movie I ever made before. It was this movie called The Hive. And so um, so getting six million was like, oh, my God, I just won the lottery. <laughs> so it was, it was um, in some ways, I had to be incredibly creative with how I was really targeted with the usage of VFX, with time. Time was the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but, but, but. I also, you know, spent a lot of time shooting music videos, shooting commercials. I had made this sort of lower budget movie that we were fortunate enough to sell the legendary and get like, you know, get out there and, and have some real success with. So so um, I had a lot of experience in in taking, you know, not a ton of money and turning it into something that looked like it did cost a ton of money. And that wasn't just me. It was like, you know, I had a, a director of photography, Mike D, who I've shot a million things with who uh, we had this f- flow uh, mm-hmm. between us, this like telepathic communication and, and my wife who's a costume designer, you know, all of us, we had this crew of people who had been working together for a long time, working on project to project to project and never had gotten a big budget. We'd never gotten real money to make anything, but we started making things that people thought were big budget or like responded to, like they were responding to big budget stuff. And so, and so, um, you know, we were sort of, uh, trained in a way to be yeah. uh, to be selective in how we used our money. Innovative, you know, do the most you can with what you got. Now, uh, were you involved with the casting? Uh, most directors usually are. Were you, did you yeah. have uh, complete control over casting? 
I mean, no one has complete control over casting ever. I mean, casting is, you know, it's like a chaotic tornado of events. But but I read the script the first time. We're talking. We're still talking about Brightburn. Yeah. Uh, um, um, I read the script the first time, and uh, I, I I read it and I said, Elizabeth Banks would be great for this. She would be great, and and like just as a fan of James's and horror movies, like seeing James and Elizabeth like reunited in a movie mm-hmm. would be really exciting to me. Like I would I would have killed to have seen that, you know, if I wasn't involved. And so, and 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 then I just thought Elizabeth was like in this really awesome place in her career where like I would love to see her in this role. Um, and so and so I was like, it should be Elizabeth, and. Uh, and then when James got the financing, he called me with the investor. Um, they like went to dinner and talked, had a conversation. And then he called me on, on the way home. Uh, they were together in the car and they were like, who are you thinking about playing the lead? And I was like, Elizabeth Banks, <laughs> just immediately. And, um, but it didn't seem likely. It didn't seem possible. Um, every, it got shut down every time I brought it up, not because creatively, but because we, we were a little movie. Like, mm-hmm. people don't realize we were really a little movie. And at the same time, she was, like, gearing up to do um, – to shoot Charlie's Angels. Yes. And so it just didn't seem like it was possible at all. And I, I ended up – I just kept pushing. I just kept pushing. I kept saying Elizabeth Banks, Elizabeth Banks, Elizabeth Banks. Like, just the power of will to force it to happen. And then – and then I was in I was in um I was in my agent's office and I looked down at a piece of paper and I had a list of names on it. It was like Brian Cranston. Uh, uh, uh um I, I don't even remember who. It was just like a bunch of like incredible actors on a yeah. list. And I'm like, what's this list? And they're like, Oh, this is a list of actors who who like are available, like whose project or whatever, like something has happened, and so they're like available and could do something in the next, you know, couple months. And I was like, Elizabeth Banks is on this list, but I thought she's supposed to be shooting, and and uh, they're like, I don't know, she's on the list, so I guess she's not shooting right now. And uh, ten seconds later, I was on the phone with James, like, hey, um, she might be available. We should definitely. And then the next day, I was in her office, and she wow. had read the script, and she loved it, and she was just really excited about it. She's a huge fan of the genre. She's incredibly smart. Um, she is. Um, you know, she's a great I, I love, actress. I mean, she's she's I mean, just she's an amazing actress. actress. She's an amazing. She's also actress. a great filmmaker. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so and so having that to be able to you know to to have that mode of communication with with your lead actor also is, is so helpful. <laughs> so helpful. Now we hear a lot of times where studios or filmmakers say, "Man, we need a big name for this to make it work." Uh, that's not true for *Brightburn*. *Brightburn* could totally fly on the story itself and you don't need a big name to make it work. But Elizabeth Banks, you're right. She was the perfect Tory Breyer. Uh, when you were like right away, Elizabeth Banks would be great for this. Was it, did the big name factor into it at all? Or did you just think whether she was a big name or not a big name, she was the perfect actress to portray Tory? Well, I thought about it in two ways. I mean, I, the the one way I thought about it was sort of the first way I described, which was sort of like, 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 the the movie conceptually, um, like, what is this movie? You know, when you see a trailer, you see, or when you see a poster, it's like you see the actor, and you see, like, you see what it is. Like, it's, it, I it, I was just very excited about the idea of Elizabeth Banks. So that is 
to her star power and to yeah. her credit. That I thought that that would be incredibly valuable. And at the same time, um, I, I, you know, I'm just a fan of her as an actress of her work, and um, and I, yeah, I thought she that she would bring an incredible performance to the role. Like she would elevate us all. She would make me look good, really, and the movie <laughs> looked good by by you know by being so good in the movie. She was amazing. But she did. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. amazing. She's, she's amazing. And uh, so let's walk through some of the, the scenes in the movie. Now, the the beginning where we get a glimpse of what turns out to be this crash, and then it cuts straight into the um, uh, Brandon growing up videotapes, okay? Yes. Uh, By the way, I want to say this is going to be really fun because – because I have not seen the movie since opening night. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, and I've made a movie since. So <laughs> This is going to be a refresher. This is going to be a refresher. But go on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we see the crash, well, we assume is a crash, uh, in the woods. And then it cuts to the videotape sequence of Brandon growing up. Uh, did you just not want to get, uh, which I think is a great way to do it. Uh, instead of you know having them out exploring what this is and and like Superman when they see Clark Kent and they meet him and he, he lifts up the pickup truck as a little boy, you know he's a normal functioning human you know apparently human boy up until the age of twelve. Was that what you were going for? Uh, not to say that this child the the message you were trying to convey is that this child is no different than any other newborn baby up until the age of 12. I mean, I think when 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 we went out there to shoot, um, I had boarded and prepped a pretty elaborate horror sequence for the top of the movie. But we um, just couldn't afford it. Like, we just couldn't afford it. Um, there was a whole bit where they're driving towards towards the crash site and out of nowhere, um, animals come barreling out of the woods and like scare the shit out of us and crash into the, you know, like a big animal yeah. hits the side of the car. And, and all, you know, there was a number of things and then they sort of d discover it, they come upon it and, you know, it was sort of like drawn out and tense and moody. And, um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, but we couldn't, we, it just wasn't in, like, like I would have had to sacrifice some, like some very important things to, achieve that so we couldn't do that sequence no i liked so, how it was done i very much liked how it was done um, yeah i'm you know necessity is the mother of invention right yeah. so we took it as an opportunity to be like okay like if we're going to tell a superhero origin story then this moment in it how but through the lens of horror how would horror like how does horror deal with backstories like this yeah you know and so i started you know i mean although i've seen all these movies i often like just throw them on in the background to just start to like process like how how would a horror movie like how, you know what's your what's your like default horror movie concept and then like let's inject the, the, the superhero dna into that and mm -hmm. then and that was very much like let's give us a glimpse and then let's like revisit later in a in a dream or in a flashback we didn't do a flashback but we did a dream yeah. uh sequence later where you get like a, a piece we got a very you know <laughs> very low budget version of uh, of of the whole sequence that i had planned um it, you know in a dream later on yeah. and um and sort of um 
Yeah, and, and, and that was sort of some of the fun of the movie is like taking tropes from the horror genre and in, injecting, you know, put it, you know, and, and like and like shining that lens at at, su- at superhero origin stories and seeing what it does. Exactly. <laughs> now, you can't help but see the similarities with Brightburn to Superman, okay? The whole uh, farm setting where the crash happened, the... The, the husband-wife taking the child in. A lot of, lot of similarities. Was that done on purpose to really show the anti-Superman? Uh, if Superman was not uh, this superhero out to save humankind from any and all disasters, but what would happen if Superman was actually evil and bad? So, some, like, very like astute marketing people told me early on to just avoid saying the S word. Let's just not say the S word. <laughs> and I don't know when that totally expires. Um, but, um, but certainly this is both, you know, Brandon is his own character. He has his own motivations. He has his own, um, He's he's not Superman. No. But what's fun about the movie, I think, is that we've all been primed by superhero mythology to have expectations. Like, you know, for example, we're all primed by movies to have these expectations. Like, for example, if you have like this really sweet goodbye with someone as they walk away in your head, you could be like, oh, great. Now that person's going to die because, <laughs> because I've seen this happen in movies so many times. And, and, uh, and, um, I felt that way about superhero mythology. And so I thought it'd be fun to play like in, in a subconscious way to constantly tease the audience. Like, like, Hey, you grew up on superhero myths. There's certain things that you're primed to believe when you see a, a, a crash landed spaceship and a baby in it in a, yeah. on a farm. You think Superman. Yeah. But but that's fucked up because it's probably evil as hell. It's like it like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you've been led astray by the things that you love and enjoy. And so and so that's sort of at least the the perspective that i brought to this movie yeah was it was a sort of uh counterculture uh um concept to sort of i don't know take take things you find that you've been that you've been trained and primed to to love and find safety in and, yeah. and invert it you and know? you're right if what happened in brightburn was to happen in real life the chances of it being a Superman type person or a Brandon Breyer type person, Brandon Breyer is the more likely scenario, which leads me to my next question. This is obviously not given to us, except in slight hints as he's um, uh, speaking in tongues in that alien language and converts it to English. The, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the impression that that gave me was uh, this imagery of this alien race 
that we all have an image of this alien race, like you know, War of the Worlds, Martians coming and a full-out battle. But what if an alien race can dominate another planet and species by just sending one of their own as a baby, implanting them into their culture, and when that baby comes of age, he would be so powerful that he can just completely take over that planet. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I mean, yeah, I, like, I wouldn't... Like, if I was going to invade an ant colony in my backyard, I wouldn't need an army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could just go do it. Um, and, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's... that. You know, there's... You know, I think we explored... James and I and the writers, um, you know, there's, there, there's certainly, I don't want to give anything away because I don't know the future of the franchise, mm -hmm. but there's certainly, you know, a lot there. Um, and, and we, 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 we like boarded more than we, we ended up putting in the movie and, and, and we planned and scripted versions of telling more about what you're asking. But, you know, all of that starts to open up doors that this that were too big for this movie, not in terms of money, but in terms of like, you know, you know, this very quickly becomes the story about a mother who thinks she's raising, you know, a superhero, but is raising something much worse. And 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 that's what it's about. And so and so, you know, to pull to get too deep into that would be to lose focus on like the emotional center of the movie yeah I guess. yeah that totally makes sense and the movie absolutely this my personal opinion there has to be a sequel okay uh <laughs> there has to be a sequel we see in the closing sequence of the film the news reel of chaos being wreaked on the world uh, the only person that's really alive that knows what Brandon is capable of, the ant, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, she's still alive, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, and also uh, the little girl. Yes. Okay, so those are the only two people who can say that, you know, this kid is doing all this, but then you're going to have, who's going to believe her, Right. This 12-year-old boy is capable of causing all this havoc and devastation. So we'll see. But for me, this is a film, and I don't watch very many where I could say this, where I'm like, there has to be a sequel to this. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, you know, you say you don't know, if it gets brought to you again, uh, would you want to continue telling the Brightburn story or you want to be done with it? No, 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 of course. Like, I love that universe. And even more, like, I love the universe. And I also love all the, you know, all the creative team we assembled around that universe. Like, you know, James, James and I are incredibly close. I mean, he officiated my wedding. So, like, wow. I'm just, I just feel blessed to be able to work with my friends. Like, Mark and Brian, I'm close with. Like, like Simon, one of the producers, he was a, he was, you know, he was one of my uh, groomsmen at my wedding, like, like, you know, and, and I know that I'll make movies, um, with, you know, w you know, nightbooks when I jumped on nightbooks, I, I didn't know any, anyone in the producer role. And of course, over the course of making the movie, I got close, very close with 
everyone, but there's there's something amazing about just working with people who you just like to hang out with, you know, because when when you when you think about it, and especially our our circle of friends, our, our commitment to to the work is so intense. Like we're so we work very hard on these movies, and um, and so it means that all of us are trapped in tiny rooms together for long, long hours, trying to solve problems and figure things out and and improve the movie um, in in any way that we can find. And so um, yeah, I mean, to work with them would be amazing. Obviously. I, Obviously, I love this world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, what's great is that family uh, atmosphere that you described in doing *Brightburn*, which was very successful. Were you surprised on how successful the movie turned out to be? When I heard the release date, I almost like fell over. I was like, "What?" I mean, to, you know, Memorial Day weekend is the biggest movie release date. Yeah, and I was like, "What? Why are?" Why, wait, why are they putting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, like, what? What do you mean? Like, we're going up against Aladdin? Are, are you crazy? You know, like I just, I was just pretty shocked by the whole thing. I mean, you know, but it's funny because the entire movie, you know, it felt very much like we were working on a small indie movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I was living in a in a in a really not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like hotel for four months. Um, and, and I mean, it was just, it, you know, it was as down and dirty as, as you could make a movie for really. And then, and then, you know, as we started heading towards the release, I showed up to the sound mix on the Sony soundstage and it was like, we were in a cathedral. It was like, you know, <laughs> foot tall ceilings with paintings on it and there's this massive studio and there's like food and like a catering cart and all that and I was like am I in the right theater because this is this does not feel like I'm working on the same movie all of a sudden oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I guess that they had a concept of the the, the coming success um, but you know listen to, to ultimately answer your question you know because I get asked I get asked all the time are we you know What's the deal with Brightburn? And there's two real things. Number one is that I don't own it. So I don't have any control over if we do another one. Uh, Sony owns it. Um, I, I, I think Sony owns it. Um, I don't know for sure. Um, but also James is incredibly busy. And uh, so, so it, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who have to decide to, like, make the engine go. Uh, that's number one. And, and number two... Um, is that is that you know I, we when we planned Brightburn it was it was very much like a surprise we dropped it like a surprise grenade and I can't promise this because you know the way this this system works but I can say that I would do my very best that if I was ever to to be hired onto a, a Brightburn movie there wouldn't be press releases we wouldn't be announcing it it would be a total secret and I would deny it until the very moment that I would be showing the trailer so. Is there a little, Both of those things are true. <laughs> is there a little bit uh, of you that's afraid with the success, if hypothetical sequel of the first one, and now Sony going to be involved, if it is Sony from the beginning, that family atmosphere, working with friends, is just not going to be there for a second one? Well, I don't know. I try not to... I mean, I, I imagine it would. I mean, I imagine it would... 
I, I think that James would protect us and protect the movie, you know, and uh, not saying that it's like protect us from Sony, but I, I think that he wouldn't enter into a deal to do another one that 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 we, you know, I don't know, but I, 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 I truly don't know that yeah. the, the, the real answer is I don't know. But but every movie I've made, I've been scared of. You know, I think your fear of the movie is like what drives you to like, you know, like work harder because yeah. this has to work, you know, and you're terrified it won't and you're terrified of this and you're terrified of that. And so and so, um, yeah, I think if you come at it from that perspective, it's helpful. OK, now uh, I think I, is, is, is that say Blake Lewis waving hand. Uh, Is that a yeah, chat feed? yeah. Oh, that's my friend Blake. Blake. Hey, Blake. Blake. <laughs> so, uh, up until you said your first feature film was The Hive. Up until then, you've been doing a lot of shorts. What was it like getting behind the camera and directing a feature film for the first time? Hard. Was it, it was, really hard. was it completely different from what you expected it to be? Well. <laughs> Yeah, it was, but it was a number of things. It was, you know, my ambition was this big. I, you can't see both my hands, but they're very wide. And then the uh, amount of resources we had to make that ambition was this big. So that's already hard. And then it was my first film. So, you know, when, you know, I'd done 80 music videos or something before this, and I'd done a couple of shorts, and it, but like, the most filming I had done back to back was three days. Wow. So when you go from through, you know, you know, when you do go, so we shot the entire movie in like 17 and a half days. So that's still incredibly fast, but it's a lot more days. So you have to like really, um, it's just a much longer haul and it's, it's a bit more of a marathon. So you have to, there's a physicality to it. There is a mental exhaustion to it because the amount of prep that goes into that time. And also just, I mean, if, if, if you're making a movie at that budget, it's, um, it's, uh, it's really hard because, yeah. you know, you're moving so fast. If you shoot a movie in 17 days, you're moving so fast that if I, I, I said, if I, if I went, to the bathroom to poop i would lose a scene like like that, that's it like if you have to poop that scene's done if you if you get sick to your like if you if you get food poisoning your movie is destroyed like so there's a total physicality to the reality if i if i broke my leg you know i'd lose three scenes and then i'd be slower for the whole time so it's like it's like there's so many factors um it's such a na narrow tightrope to walk. I, I always say, like, if you've made a movie for under a million dollars and it even makes sense, like, kudos. Yeah. Well done. Now, <laughs> you just mentioned all the music videos that you have done, and then you go and, you know, do two very, you know, very well-received movies in The Hive and, of course, Brightburn. Horror. Absolutely horror movies. Uh, is that where your passion lies, is in horror? Well, it's where some of my passion lies for sure. I mean, I love horror movies. I grew up on horror movies. When I was a kid, I only wanted to do horror movies. And even before I, I, I knew what directing was, I wanted to do special effects like for horror movies. Oh. But it's not the only passion I have. But, it, you know, but it is certainly like like I I'm certainly drawn to things that are darker just in general. And for me, it would, you know, it's 
you know, there's only a couple paths into like making films. And so to me, it was like a, a sort of easy, obvious step for me, especially who I am. When you meet me, you're like, that guy could, that guy will do a horror movie. <laughs> so I, I thought it was like a, a, an easy step in to, to, um, you know, to, to make a horror film. Um, but I've never made a straight horror film, you know, like the hive is, is sci-fi horror and it approaches the horror it, it approaches the rules of the horror in a sci-fi way, it sort of explores conceptually. It explores the horror concepts in a sci-fi way, I'd say. And it's also, um, you know, the inciting incident is, is you know, um, is is a love story. You know, is is two people meeting and 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 um, and, and um, so so it's not straight horror. And then and then Brightburn is maybe closer to straight horror, but it's not straight horror because it's exploring a brand, you know, mm -hmm. it, it sort of started a new genre of like superhero horror um, or it, whether it did start it or not. Um, well, it, superhero it, horror was very big in comic books and now it gets brought onto the screen. Right. Yeah. Right. That's an even better way to say it is it's like it, it's 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 really the first time I can think of uh, where someone made a superhero horror movie like and there's been dark superhero movies but mm -hmm. but not through the genre of horror not put in the perspective you know maybe the crow you could say has although it is an action revenge movie there are sequences in which uh the victims of you know the the victims of his like like you're in their pov and and his powers are almost like a ghost, yeah. you know, appearing here. He's laughing there. So those are like mini horror sequences, but it's just not, it's not what we did, you know, and, and ours is just different, you know, <laughs> just out of In curiosity, what would you consider straight up horror? Cause now, nowadays everything is subclassified, you know, body horror, torture horror. Uh, what would give me an example of what you think is just a straight up horror? I think I. Th I mean, it, but but by the way, I I love straight up horror. I, I I've, like, I think exorcism movies, supernatural movies, ghost stories okay. are, uh, are straight horror. I think slashers are straight horror to to a certain degree. I think Scream is not straight horror, although it is a slasher movie. It's sort of a. There's a comedy and a mystery element to it. Yeah. You know. Um. Um. I think straight horror is really when it's like the goods are horror. Yeah, now, nowadays, every movie, it has to be subclassified some way. It kind of annoys me a little bit. Uh, yeah, you got your subgenres, the big ones. But, man, they're getting very, I don't know, very detailed now with all these subclassifications. So let's move on to... Uh, Agreed, but oftentimes, like, for example, The Conjuring, all the subclassifications all exist in the horror genre. It's like yeah. a supernatural horror based on a true story. But it's it's all like, you know, it all sort of exists in the horror paradigm. Exactly. You know, there's a piece of Brightburn that's sci-fi. There's a piece of it that's like an inverted superhero. So there's something about it that's sort of like, you know, just... there's a There's like a punk rock drop to it because it's sort of like anti what's popular you know it sort of takes like su superheroes couldn't be popular more popular when we made it it came out on the day it came out a week after endgame yeah. <laughs> like the biggest movie of all time all superheroes 
came out and it was sort of being like, okay, you guys love superheroes, but like, this is, this is like the gritty realistic version of, if some, if the kid had powers, um, um, and, 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 and Nightbooks is, I mean, Nightbooks is definitely not straight horror, you know? Well, that's what I want to get to next is Nightbooks. (laughs) Okay. Uh, it's based on a film by, uh, the horror novel by J.A. White. Uh, what was your initial appeal to the film? Uh, how were you pitched the material and just basically how did you, how did it come your way? Yeah, I mean it, well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, all the time I just like scripts show up in my inbox for my agents and I read as many as I possibly can, but there are a lot do come in. Um, um, but this one said produced by Sam Raimi and, and it had the ghost house logo on it. And I said, I'm in, <laughs> I like emailed back immediately and I was like, I'm in. And then I kept reading and it was like a family film. And I was like, they want me for a family film. That's weird. I, 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 I just didn't believe I'd book the movie because oftentimes you get sent to script, but that doesn't mean you have the movie. It's like, would you like the opportunity to fight for this movie? Uh, to pitch on this movie and then you like pitch and I was like they're never gonna actually pick me okay every meeting I took after Brightburn was there was a there was a a hint of hey we don't want like people's jaws falling off in this movie so like is that what you want to do with this movie and I'd always be like listen I made Brightburn like Brightburn called for violence yeah the, the nature of the movie called for violence and I just did it in a, I, I just went there with it. You know, I just, I kind of respected what the story needed to, to, to be the story that we all signed up for. And, and so I, so, so I made that. Um, but, but I'm, I, but I'm not, I don't need to make a violent movie. I mean, obviously Nightbooks isn't a violent movie at all. It's for families, yeah. but, but I just, but I knew that going into it that there was this stigma stuck to me that I had just made, you know, one of the more violent movies that had ever been in a theater, you know, at that scale ever, you know. So um, people were cautious as to you not taking them. They want you for a movie, but they want to make it very clear. Don't take it to the level of violence that we saw in Brightburn. Yeah, but I, I yeah, but I never I mean, I, I never sort of would have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we all we all do this thing to everyone else um, that we hate when done when it's done to ourselves. But we still do it to everyone else, which is that we put people in these tiny little boxes. And we're like, oh, you made Brightburn. Now go make 10 more Brightburns or like, go, you know, like this is what you make now. And I mean, it's just not it's just not who anyone is. Mm-mm. It's it, You know, it's like we're so much m- more than the one movie that we made and and, and a, uh, actually yeah. a perfect example to that is sam raimi okay yes he does a wide spectrum and i'm sure he had to work very hard I mean, this is the guy who did like the evil dead and but he's also done spider-man you yes. know so i'm sure because people do like especially in, in entertainment they want to put you in your little box and say you're good at this and that's what you're going to continue to do uh being in the industry do you see it as always a battle to say hey i am capable of more than bright burn movies 
or this and that? Is it always an uphill battle? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm really proud of Brightburn. Like, I, I, I would never be like, I'm capable of more. But I, I, I think what you meant is like, Different. like, yeah, like, 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 are there other types of movies mm -hmm. in me, you know, but like, you know, for me, I wanted to make movies from the time I before I could actually hold my dad's VHS camera, he used to no. have to help me put it on the tripod you know, because it was too heavy for me to carry. That's how young I was. And, and only now am I making movies, you know, it took, you know, it was a 30 year journey from that time to now that where I'm making movies to, to prove that I'm worthy of making a type of movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear that, but also like, I don't know the, the way the, the thing that calls to me about the thing that calls to me in movies is, is I don't know the thing I love about movies. Like I, if I read something that sparks some thing in me that, that feels new, that feels different. It, you know, I, I always feel like movies are the most exciting when they're opening up doors to creative ways of thinking that are beyond what's just sort of normally there. And I've never really made choices or, or decisions based on money. I, maybe I should have, cause then maybe I'd, I'd be richer <laughs> cause I'm, <laughs> cause I'm not a wealthy dude, but, but, um, uh, but what I did do was I made choices based on, um, like what I wanted to create because when I sign up to one of these movies, you know, it takes two years of my life. Like yeah. I, I take two years of my life and I throw it in a blender and I push the button because like my, you know, I don't see my friends. I'm fully consumed. I mean, that's, it's partially, you know, the pandemic has added to that experience, but, but like, you know, you just, I live, breathe, sleep, eat, this movie you that I'm going to take You give on. it your all. I give it my all. And then when I get done, like the memories of it get compressed and it just feels like lost time. Mm -hmm. It just feels like this little black hole in my life where, where like, here's this timeline and then bloop, I just like jump over. <laughs> and during that time I made a movie. And so it's like, I feed the most precious resource in that exists like my time, my life force yeah. into it. And so it just, it, I want it to be something that I love and feel really passionate for because it becomes like my child. You know? I totally, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying and not look back and saying, you know what? I just did this and took two years out of my life just for money. You want yeah. it's a passion and it's art and you want to enjoy what you do with night books. You had a you worked with a very strong cast. Any challenges with working with the younger members of that cast? Well, I mean, there, there's always challenge. Listen, there's first of all, there's, there's always challenges working with 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 younger people just based on the, the amount of hours that you can have with them on set. You know, the, you you have a designated amount of hours, and so there's always a ticking clock over your head. That's number one, and number two, you know. Uh, movies where 
young actors are, are, are like take up leading positions, leading roles in the movie, often get defined by uh, the performance of that actor. Um, you know, um, and so there's a little bit of just pressure on the idea that like, you know, that, that good isn't good enough. It's gotta be great, yeah. you know? And, and I don't really like using words like good or great, but it, it has to be, you really have to be real and it has to, it has to work and it has to feel natural and it can't pull you out of the movie. I think would be a more articulate way of saying it. And, yeah. and, and, um, but I had all the confidence in the world that, that they would. I mean, when I auditioned them, they killed it. Um, both of them, um, Winslow, when, when I first saw him uh, over zoom, cause that's how casting was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, early pandemic time. And I saw him and I was like, wow, this is the first person out of all the people I've seen who looks like Alex, who I could see being Alex. Yeah. I just saw it in him immediately. And then I just crossed my fingers and hoped that he could, that he could act. And I mean, he could <laughs> watch the movie. He could. Yeah. Um, and, and he kills it. He kills it. And so there's so much, so much of the movie that hangs on him, you know, that he needs to, um, there's just, you know, oh, yeah. a, a wide emotional range that he, and, and he's in every scene. So, so there's a lot there. And then Lydia, I mean, I, 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 I saw her audition and then I called Netflix and I said, I think this girl's going to win an Oscar one day and I just want to be in her bio when she does. We should just cast her. Um, and we did. And um, and then and then Kristen is, you know, incredible in this movie. She really brings her star power and her charisma to the to the movie. And it's it's it's, it's more than that. You know, something I said when I was pitching on this movie was that the that the filmmaker um, shapes the movie. It becomes part of the movie. I was like, what, what's Edward Scissorhands without Tim Burton directing it? Like, exactly. you need a weirdo to tell that story. And, and, and it was part of my pitch was that this was, was authentically me. And I, I think that there's a piece of this character that's authentically Kristen. She is, she, she's, she's sort of also a, a, a weirdo and, and, you know, definitely was, you know, made fun of in high school like I was for being different and gothy and <laughs> yeah, but look who has the last laugh now though yeah, uh, yes, now yeah. it was Nightbooks so for our viewers who don't know Nightbooks is a Netflix original movie correct yeah yeah nice. is this, is yeah, this your first time uh, working with Netflix yes yeah, and, and what did you think uh, are they are they good to work with they leave you on your own that they, they don't stand in your way let you do the creative process how would you describe your experience with netflix well i think that they were you know um netflix has different departments and this movie was a um was while on the scale of movies not incredibly expensive it was incredibly expensive for their department and so um, you know, I, I, I would not describe it as they just handed me cash and let me go make my money, but I would describe them as incredibly, uh, uh great partners who, um, who really got behind m my vision of the movie. And, and I was delightfully surprised because the, there's no scarier moment than, you know, we, we'd sync up forever 
and I would say, I'm going to shoot this like a horror movie. I'm not going to go too far. I'm going to, you know, I, I'm never going to be violent. I'm never going to, I'm never going to do anything that a family can't see, but it's going to look like a horror movie. It's going to sound like a horror movie. And, and they loved that concept. They pushed me. They were like, yes, that's great. And, 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 but there's no scarier moment than when you're shooting day one and the deliver the, the, the dailies, the footage you shot, you know, overnight goes to Los Angeles where they are. Um, um, and they watch it. And the first day was we were shooting Alex coming into the apartment, like that first scene when he gets lured in, mm-hmm. you know, by, by Lost Boys on the TV. And, and it, that certainly look does not look like a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's stylish and stuff, but it, it, it is dark and it is moody and it, it looks like a horror movie. And, and you got a phone call, right? Yes, I got a phone call. They were incredibly happy with how it oh. looked. And I, I was just I, delightfully surprised. And that was sort of the moment where I exhaled and I was like, okay, you know, we, we, when, you, when you go to these meetings early on, you all, you all make a deal, right? You, you, I express, like, the movie that I want to make and they, and, and they tell me, yes, no, we like this, we don't like this. They either hire me or they don't. Um, and, and to their credit, I made the movie I aim to make, you know? And and um, they deserve a lot of credit because I think there are a lot of studios that would have turned it into something goofy, and and um, it, I I find the movie to be very that's great you know grounded yeah yeah it's a great you know? movie it, uh, thank you how about your experience we're 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 almost we're running out of time uh, with Sam Raimi uh, what was your experience with Raimi uh, is he very hands on hands off gets out of your way as well. He's awesome. That's He's what, awesome. I've heard that from everybody that's worked with him. He's amazing. He is awesome. Yeah. He he finds that perfect center line where, like, I mean, I I would zoom with him often. Um, um, I did not meet him in person though until uh, the sound mix. I also didn't meet anyone at Netflix until the sound mix because uh, I booked this movie in quarantine. The first time I left my house. Uh, in like six months was to go to LAX to get on a plane to fly to Toronto to go make the movie. Like I, I was, uh, this was early quarantine. So I didn't meet any of the Netflix people until recently there. Um, and, and I didn't meet Sam in person until recently, but I really enjoyed my time talking to him on zoom. We talked often. He was always available to me. I reached out to him a couple times with like, Hey, um, you know, I need a little help with this piece or I want I, your, I, I always thought of him as fresh eyes yeah. and go to him and be like, this, it's crazy to say this sentence out loud, but Hey, Sam, <laughs> Hey, Hey, Mr. Ramey. Um, um, I, I've cut the scene and I feel kind of good about it, but I want you to see it to tell me what you think. And he, he was always incredibly gracious. He a hundred percent got what I was trying to do. Um, um, and really got behind it and was a champion of it and also brought a lot of ideas to like make it better. So yeah. it's just great. I mean, if you have a chance to work with them, work with them. Absolutely. And just to touch back on that Netflix thing, I have relationships with a lot of studios and Netflix, uh, they're just really good and they know what they're doing. Uh, they're giving me a guest like today. They're like, hey, do you want this guest? tomorrow you know at 12 30 p.m and i have an interview scheduled to, for tomorrow night at 9 30 i'm like yeah 
absolutely. <laughs> I will take this guest at 12.30 p.m. I'll do two interviews in a day. I have no problem with that. They're a great company from, like I said, working with them and partnering with them. So looking back, what, uh, you know, what project is holds a very special place in your heart that you've done so far? Oh, my God. Well, each one of them, they're like they're all children to me. I mean, I haven't yet had that experience where like or like I, I, I hate a movie I've worked on or like, you know, they all are, are really special to me. I mean, the like. And, and actually, the producers of each, now that I think about it, the producers of each one of these movies, I I, I feel very close to, you know? That's I, important, I, yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, like, you know, on The Hive, I knew one of the producers going into it, but all the other producers, I didn't know. And, and, and but you get, you get really close with these people because you're, you're, you know, it's you versus the world. Yeah. You know, when you're like, how are we going to pull off this shot? with the resources we have, with the time we have, and then all the curveballs being thrown. And it's just, you guys are just, your backs are against the wall and you're just fighting the hordes. Absolutely. Oh <laughs> and, man, David, yeah. we are out of time, but right. I feel we could go on talking for several more hours. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Uh, I love talking about this stuff with you. Uh, I could just see the passion that you have, not just for horror, but just for, your craft filmmaking yeah. and your great brightburn i love brightburn <laughs> i really do i'm a big brightburn fan uh thank you so much for being here sharing with us any final thoughts before we go no thanks for thanks for having me i guess if you liked watching me there's more stuff at my instagram account you can follow me it's just my name david yarvesky yep. you know um on instagram and uh uh, check out Nightbooks. It's out now um, on Netflix. Um, go check it out. Check if, it out, if, you guys. If you will... watch this show, I, it's this movie was made for you. I promise. Exactly. I think you will like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a great movie. Check it out. It is available on Netflix. I want to thank David again. Thank you guys for tuning in. On behalf of David and myself, stay safe and always stay walking. Good night now.